Nicely done, beef. No matter how you're cooked. Grilled, sauteed, stir-fried, roasted, or stewed. Your savory sounds are music to everyone's ears. Yeah, now that's a dinner playlist. Good cooking at Beef. It's what's for dinner.com. Funded by Beef Farmers and Ranchers. Hi, everybody. This is WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler. And you know what? When I think of pile driving somebody, I always think of Bart and Charlie. I'd love to give them both one. Uh, kind of passive aggressive characters that uh, can really do some diabolical stuff. And so, uh, yeah. And welcome to Sunday Coffee here in Startville. Boy, is it a great morning here in Startville, Mississippi. We're downtown at the Farm Bureau Studios here in downtown Startville. And Charlie Winfield here with me. And we're going to be joined by the Godfather, Stephen Augustinelli from SixPackSpeak.com. Charlie, first and foremost, before we talk to Stephen Augustinelli, boy, looking back at yesterday, man, that was fun. I'm not accustomed to that. I was not mentally prepared for that. And I've got to change my mindset like a lot of people because my mindset does not allow me to think when you're down by 25 points that you have any chance whatsoever. And particularly when you go back and look how you were down. A lot of times you see teams who have comebacks. They're moving the football, but they've thrown an interception. They've had a fumble something went wrong that where they could say, hey, we're stopping ourselves. We were being absolutely dominated, absolutely dominated in that football game yesterday. I've never seen a turnaround like that on the fly. Stephen Agostinelli, man, what were your thoughts? How about that? Turning a 28-3 to deficit into a 43-34 to win. You scored 40 points in a row yesterday. Did you ever in your lifetime think that you'd see a Mississippi State team go on the road and score 40 unanswered? Well, first, I never thought in my lifetime I'd ever, I'd ever see a Mississippi State quarterback with 3,700 yards passing with three games remaining. So that's that's the first thing. I think that's what leads us to be able to come back is that this offense can move the ball pretty efficiently when it's clicking. And, uh, you know, the first, what was it, first 21 minutes of the game, I think with six minutes left, it was 28-3. to three. And like you said, you, just, you really thought there was no hope. But that drive to score before the end of the half to make it 28-10, I think, set the tone. And, you know, we knew we were getting the ball coming out in the second half and we could score there. It would make it at least somewhat an interesting game to see what would, what would happen from that point forward. It seems like when we get together on Sunday mornings, one of the first things Bart and I always kind of talk about before we even hook the equipment up is when did the game change? What was the turning point? of the ball game. I think we probably all have different ones for you. Is it the, and Bart, I want your take on this too. Is was it that drive at the end of the first half? What, what do you see at the turning point? I tell you what, Charlie, I look at one play and I, I think when you're down 28 to three and in that drive right before the half, and it kind of goes back to the thought of what we did last week against Arkansas of scoring at the end of the half and then coming out and getting the ball to start the second half. So you do have a little bit of hope if there is any, but to me, in that drive, we had a third down and long, and Will Rogers was flush from the pocket, and he picked up about four yards. He slid and got about four. And so instead of fourth down and eight, if he throws the ball away, you're looking at fourth down and four. But I thought, to me, 
the game changed on this play. And like you said, going back to your point, sometimes the game changes because a quarterback goes down injured or a, a big player gets injured or something, you know, something big like that. But I thought the game changed on the fourth down play when Will Rogers dropped back and on a little seam route to Austin Williams. He was double covered. We threw it over the middle of the field. He catches the ball. We get the first down. We keep the drive alive. I thought if you get that ball batted down, you get that pass is incomplete right there. It's 28-3 to at minimum going to halftime. They may drive down and score again because we haven't stopped them all day. I thought getting that first down and staying on the field right there gives you a chance, and then when we score, okay, we got something positive going. But I go back to that fourth down play of converting it to keep the drive alive. Steven, what about you? Was there a point in the time where you thought the game changed? It was the drive after we scored our first touchdown. So I think if Auburn would have gotten points of any manner, they kicked a 55-yard field goal and missed it. That, to me, if Auburn got points to maybe just expand the lead, he just thought, all right, now it's 31-10. to 10. Or thirty-one, yeah, thirty-one ten at that point. You maybe state just kind of deflates a little, but just the fact the score remained the same, I think it gave a glimmer of hope. Where you know if we score coming out of the second half, and who knew who knew we were going to score forty straight at that point, but just the Auburn not scoring right after we scored, I think gave the team a little push to say, all right, we got a chance at this. Yeah, Charlie, you and I talked about this yesterday, and I think that's kind of what you were looking at too. Yeah, I thought the the biggest play of that whole sequence too goes back to the first and 10 play. So Auburn had moved it to our 30, and all of a sudden, you know, they're clearly in field goal range at, you know, 47 yards. And then we get the sack on first down. Nathan Pickering got a sack on Knicks for a loss of eight. And all of a sudden, with timing and factor they have to throw, they go incomplete. And then they're trying a 55-yard field goal. And that's a, that's a very different probability. And so I thought he's exactly right. I, I think if we go to the dressing room having finally scored but giving up points right back, I think it completely changes the mindset. But I thought that sack on first down to push them back out of field goal range was huge. Stephen Augustinelli joining us from Six Pack Speak. Stephen, we were looking at stats in the game yesterday. And as soon as the game was over with, we were talking about, you know, just different things that stood out to us and about big statistics. You start looking at that third quarter and what Will Rogers was able to do. And I know it's a part of being a quarterback in the SEC. No matter what you do, it's not good enough for a lot of people. But what he did in the third quarter yesterday to get everything turned, you start talking about going 17 of 18 in a quarter of football, what he did in that third quarter, I've never seen a quarterback do at Mississippi State and even come close to what he did. The, the offense lends itself right to statistics. I mean, you're going you're to get yardage with the Mike Leach offense. But the efficiency to me with the way Will Rogers is running the offense is what is making his play special. So, I mean, obviously, if, you, if, you, if you're throwing 100% completion rate, that is an unbelievable statistic. And the thing that I think Will does, he, he's something that he has matured more as the season's gone. He knows when to maybe take that longer shot down the field. And I think that is stretching the defense just a little bit more. But also, he's playing with uh, some type of regard of, of ball control. And, you know, uh, the way that we move the ball down the field in a very methodical manner 
is, is can make a defense very frustrated. And what he did in the third quarter in the second half was, like you said, something that we have not ever seen as a Mississippi State quarterback. I mean, you look at the stats. Okay, in the first quarter, Auburn had 185 yards. We had 58. In the first half, Auburn had 325 yards of offense to our 155. And then in the third quarter, we'll go 17 of 18 for 198 yards and a couple touchdowns. And in the second half, Stephen and and Charlie, you look at the second half, what we did, we had 33 points to their six. We had 332 yards to their 158. So it was exactly the complete opposite of what you saw in the first half. So I look back at the first half in that game, and so much has been talked about our defense. And, yes, we have played defense really well at times this year, kind of a bend, don't break. And, man, we played well in the second half yesterday. But the first half, I don't think I've seen us that bad under Zach Arnett in the first half in the standpoint of Auburn had wide receivers that were running 10 – 15 yards wide open. I mean, if they were wide open, it was almost like we were we were using you know the bad playbook just to kind of suck them in a little bit and get them a little bit of confidence. I thought our defense, I had not seen us look that bad defensively. But I want to go back to a point that Stephen was making a minute ago, and it's talking about Will Rogers and the point you just made about being 17 of 18. And what's the thing that we've heard from our fan base all year long? You got to throw it down the field. You got to throw it down the field. We're not taking enough shots down the field. Go back and look yesterday, and I think it highlights what a lot of people are missing about this air raid offense. It is predicated on getting the ball to the receiver and then them doing things with it. On balls thrown more than 20 yards down the field yesterday, we were one for five. One for five with a drop. Now, he made a couple of nice throws, but we didn't connect. But where did we wear them out? We wore them out in that zero to 20 range. In that 10 to 20 range yesterday, Will Rogers' NFL passer rating was 148. I mean, he was phenomenal in that range. But the thing that happened yesterday is we saw receivers make catches and then make plays. Wally yesterday, and, you know, you can go back and say, well, they weren't always big breakouts, but three and four yards at a time, that adds up. It makes a difference in this offense. And as much as I think Will Rogers has improved and probably – Few people will make that case stronger than me. I think we've got to give a lot of credit to a receiving core that's playing better. Just go back and look at yesterday. Wally, who we had we talked about this week, had been kind of AWOL. Yesterday targeted eight times, has seven catches. You see Malik Heath, who had been AWOL, five targets, five catches. Austin Williams, four and four. Will Rogers is improving. He's giving more catchable balls. Our receivers are doing a better job. If you Auburn's receivers hadn't been doing great, but they were just naked in the first half. But in the second half, all that changed. Our guys started making the plays. Hey, Steven, let me ask you this question. You saw you know, Ra-Ra Thomas go down with an injury early on, and he has really played himself into the starting role because he has really played well over the last month. And you saw after the game yesterday, I think Malik Heath may have sent a tweet out talking about Coach Leach getting into him a little bit. And so it, it's amazing. And I, I tell you what, you look at Malik Heath and, and how he responded after Ra-Ra Thomas got hurt. You know, sometimes guys will sulk, and then when they get their chance to come back in, they're still so down. 
but he rose to the occasion, man. Malik Heath looked like the guy yesterday on the outside that we all thought we had been getting for a long time. I mean, he is a legitimate threat on the outside because he played determined football in that second half and ran some really good routes. He, on, on that touchdown pass that uh, he caught, he played, he almost boxed out the defensive back, right? So to me, Malik Heath has the most NFL type body of our receiving core where you think, God, that guy could transfer to the NFL if he ever gets it right. And like you said, he stepped up yesterday and he went, he caught five balls and a touchdown. And without him, he's, he's the guy to me that maybe is a difference maker for us taking that next step to, to close out the season. And yesterday he did. And he, he just looks so good coming out of the locker room. And you want him to transfer it to the field. And yesterday maybe is that first step. And he remember at the end of last season, he started, he started playing much better. And that egg bowl, you're like, gosh, that guy, Malik Heath, he is playing so well. But And yesterday he finally – had that game where he contributed. Well, not to say he hadn't contributed before this game, but I think yesterday was a day where he stepped up and played really well. You know, we talk about the defense and kind of switch gears a little bit. We talked about, you know, how they have players running wide open. So then all of a sudden you start thinking, is, you know, are our guys not making good reads or is it scheme? You know, what are you trying to do if you're Zach Arnett? You know, what buttons are you beginning to push? And I started looking around, and people were talking about, man, we're sitting back too much. We're letting Bo Nix pick us apart. We're not getting any pressure. But you look at the stats. When we blitzed Bo Nix yesterday, he was 5 for 7 for 112 yards, 16 yards per attempt, a touchdown. I mean, he ate us alive when we came after him, especially in the first half. A couple times, Buki Watson came free up the middle, but he would just roll the pocket right and make a big-time play. And so sometimes you, you get frustrated watching and saying, hey, we just got to come after him more. Well, when we came after him, that's when he burned us. Well, my take on that was if we were sitting back, where were we sitting? I mean, because the idea, if you're dropping eight guys, they got to be somewhere, and they weren't in the TV screen. <laughs> I mean, and that's what everybody's saying, you know, we got to get more pressure. Well, we certainly weren't dropping into passing lanes. We were just completely out of sorts defensively. I don't know exactly what changes we made, but we made something. Or maybe we just finally got to Knicks and he just came back down to earth. Maybe it was just a bit of an outlier. But four straight touchdowns and you know, on those first two drives, they don't even face a third down. It was just straight down the field. And, you know, we're making Knicks look like Joe Montana over there. Well, and two, I mean, you look at the area that he is he was so good in the first half. 10 to 20 yards down the field in the middle of the field, in between the numbers. Yesterday, he was 7 for 10 for 147 yards. When you start looking at grading out NFL, 145 passer rating NFL in that middle of the field, 10 to 20 down the field. But you look in the second half, they rarely went to the middle of the field. And I don't know if that's something that we did. I mean, I would have to think that's something that we did to change up what we were doing with our safeties in the middle of the field. And that's what, to me, you know, Stephen, is when you look at this team, and we talk about this all the time about in, in baseball, the ability to make adjustments during an at-bat or during a game. I have to say this, and, and hey, we, we, may, we may play terrible the rest of the way. Who knows? But let me tell you this. I think over the last few weeks, Zach Arnett, Mike Leach, and this coaching staff has done as good a job of adjusting within a game that I have ever seen in my life out of a Mississippi State coach. Am I wrong on saying that? 
No, what's the one thing to me the past now three weeks that Mississippi State has done different offensively than they've done previously in the, I guess, 15 or 16 games in the Mike Leach tenure? They're running, to me, the running attempts have increased, or the success maybe of the running attempts have increased dramatically. I think we had five rushes, maybe six rushes in the first half. And then in the second half, it looks like looking at the stats, we had 19 total rushes in the game. So that puts us at 14 rushes in the second half. Partly because, one, Will Rogers was really effective. Two, I think our running game somewhat got uh, Auburn on its heels. And it, it, was, it, it opened up some of the passing games. And that's the one thing to me the past three weeks that offensively we have succeeded is that the running game has kept them honest, kept the opponent somewhat honest. And that's really all you can ask for from a Mike Leach offense from running the ball is that it's not just entirely passing. And I just think in the second half they adjusted somewhat to where the running the running game uh, afforded us some success. And I'll tell you, part of the credit for that goes to Will Rogers because most of the runs that we – call are being called at the line of scrimmage and Mike Leach he wants to throw it and even when he runs it he wants to pitch it forwards that looks like a pass right I mean he is a pass guy but I love the fact that Will as he gets more and more confident in this offense even in down and distance situations third and four willing to run the football when he recognizes the matchups and to me that's part of the development of this offense and part of the maturity that he's showing no, no doubt. Steven, I'm going to ask you a personal question, okay? And my personal question is, do you use Farm Bureau insurance? I do. You do? So you see, without doubt, the best customer service of any insurance carrier is with our friends at Farm Bureau. Go with a home team at Farm Bureau, Stephen Agustinelli from Six Pack, saying he uses it as well, just like we do because their customer service is phenomenal. People in every county in the state of Mississippi, as far as their agents, they're everywhere. Check them out at favorites.com and go with the home team at Farm Bureau. And, of course, we are in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startville. We are drinking our strange brew coffee this morning that I picked up on University Drive. Charlie got it to the Highway 12 location. They have the third location in Tupelo as well. Churn and spoon ice cream. Stephen, if, we, uh, if we'd have put some forethought to it, we would have sent you a bag of their home brew. They have the blueberry cobbler flavor coffee, the albino squirrel. We could have sent you something down there where you could have been sitting there drinking your strange brew coffee as you're talking to us this morning. You're a strange, if you, if you, you're a strange brew guy as well, right? That's correct. If you send me anything, send me those Christmas tree cakes they're now making. I actually bought some last year, and they are – delicious man i saw some of those on twitter last night it made me want to get up and go look did did they have those on the university drive location this morning bart i was reading twitter and i I'll, i just walked in and said I, I need my blueberry cobbler coffee and i need my blueberry muffin and so i didn't look and see what they had under the case i, apologize. I actively searched at highway 12 and they didn't have it. those things the christmas cookies yeah. is, is that what it is no 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 it's like it's like a christmas cake it's a christmas tree shaped Cake. cake thing. Yeah, oh, it's... Uh, really? Okay. Hey, we need to have a Christmas tree cake-eating contest. I'll take you on. How about that, Mr. Gustinelli? I feel like that is a challenge and one that I will be victorious in. I'll be honest. All right. It, it, well, you will be. You will be. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> we need to play tennis sometime. 
You're a big tennis player too. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll play tennis and then have the, the cookie eating or the cake eating contest. Because it would be better. We, let's do it before and then see what happens on the tennis court. <laughs> exactly. No, no doubt. No, I don't, I don't want to do that. All right. So okay. every Friday, Charlie and I get together for our Tracks Plus deep dig and we start going through numbers and how we think the game and big plays and things of that nature and big numbers that we think are going to affect the game. Well, we're going to miss a lot this week. Yeah, we're going to miss some this week. That game was a little off the charts. My first number was this. My first number was seven. I said if we're within seven points to start the fourth quarter, we're going to win. I hit that one. And here's the reason I said that is because I felt like with us getting so much time of possession over the last few weeks and our receivers running, and it just seems like, man, I tell you what, the second half, our highest graded quarter is the fourth quarter as far as passing all year long. And a lot of that has to do with just wearing teams down. I thought Auburn in the second half, Stephen, looked like they were completely dragging, especially in their secondary. We had guys that were wide open in the fourth quarter simply because I, th- I just thought that, that they were more tired than we were. They definitely were. I saw on some of the some of our passing plays, just watching their secondary, they were dragging, especially on the uh, the, the Malik Heath touchdown. If you watch the, the defensive back, he just looked completely exhausted. Uh, it's you know another thing from from that perspective, we were excited. Hey, it's an eleven o'clock game that might take the crowd out of it. The fact that Auburn scored so quickly, got up so, by so much. That somewhat took the crowd out of it. And then you start coming back. Just think if the situation was reversed, how you have to get back into the game as a fan. I really don't think Auburn really ever got back into it from a fan perspective. So we almost had everything working for us from an, an, a, a road game. 11 a.m., the crowd gets out of it because they're killing us so bad. Then we start coming back, and maybe half of them left because they were killing us so bad. So it was just it kind of was like a perfect storm to have a comeback. They were going to buy the toilet paper. They were going to they were going to stock up, and they've got a bunch of it stocked up right now because they didn't use it yesterday. But you know, to your point, Bart, you were talking about the defensive backs dragging. Man, on our final drives of the ball game, every time they showed the defensive line, those guys were gasping for air with hands on their hips. Man, they were they were tired of chasing the quarterback. Yeah, they were, and that's the thing about you know when you when you pass that many times, those guys are having to come on a pass rush especially those big down linemen. But think about how normally what we say is a big rushing offense takes its toll on a defensive line. You know, you beat on them all game, and you got to tackle the big running back, and by the fourth quarter you're tired of it. Yesterday you saw how a passing offense wears down a defensive front. Yeah, I think that was, you know, with a running attack, it's more physical. I mean, it's just the physical demand. It's more anaerobic. When it comes to, you know, it's like, almost like running sprints is when you're trying to get after the quarterback. That's not a word you've used very often. Yeah, it is. Anaerobic. Aerobic and anaerobic exercises. I think that's a first here on our show. Well, okay. My second number was this, was five yards after the catch, limiting Auburn to five yards after the catch because that's their average. We need like a Price is Right buzzer right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're wrong on that one. And here's the thing, Charlie. They had 6.6 yards after the catch yesterday, which was more than they normally get. But that number is still skewed because their long touchdown, which was a was was a pass, it goes in the book as a run. You know, when they flared it out left side on the little screen, it was a lateral pass. And so it goes in the book as a run, so that number was actually higher. Auburn got open more yesterday 
their first was, play of the ball game. Their receivers looked like John Taylor and Jerry Rice of the 49ers back in the 80s. I mean, these guys were running wide open. They had 26 yards after the catch on the first play of the game. So, yeah, we missed that one, or I missed that one. And the second thing, the third thing I said was, two, we needed two field goals. Now, we kicked a field goal, and what I was meaning by that was is we just cannot disdain the kicking game. And we didn't know that Brandon Reese was not going to kick yesterday. Uh, thought we'd gotten a heads up on that, but we didn't. And then Nolan McCord hits a field goal, hits one off the upright. So we came close there. I was just saying we're going to need the field goal kicking team because Carlson – had been so good for Auburn coming into the game. And, Charlie, you know, that side really was a big factor for us because we he missed the field goal because we put him out of field goal range, and then we blocked the field goal. So, yeah, we've had our difficulties in special teams, but yesterday we picked up a plus one in the field goal defense. Would not have expected that. No. Against Auburn. That's, that was another thing that was a little bit off script for that ball game. You know, looking back at it and just seeing how much was put on the kicking last week, and I, and I go back to it about, hey, we're going to need these guys. And, and Stephen Agustinelli, you were a big-time kicker, were you not, down at St. Aloysius, the Flashes, down in Vicksburg? Uh, and so you know, I mean, you know, so much of being a kicker is not physical. It's so much mental that goes into kicking. Correct. It's like you know, hit, hitting a, uh, a free throw shot at the a free throw at the end of the game. You know, it's just all pressure. And uh, I made two extra points in my career, so that, that's that's how how far my kicking game ever went. But you're going to need them at some point, you know. And it's we can argue about the way that Mike Leach approached it, uh, but anytime you can put them through the upright, it, it's a plus. And like you said yesterday. I mean, McCord, he, uh, his second one was a solid kick, and I want to say it was plus, it was over 40 yards, wasn't it, the one that hit the upright, if I remember correctly? Yeah, it was a it was a, a deep field goal, and and it just hooked and on he, in there. I mean, you want to draw that thing in. It's like, it's like Charlie hitting his driver. You know, you want to have a little draw to it. And he put the draw to it. He started out in the middle and had a little draw to it, and it just kicked off that left upright. And so it was one he hit well. You know, last week, you know, the, the, the knuckleball at the end, I don't know about the snap and the hold, and then all of a sudden you, you duck it one to the left in the water. Yesterday, he hit it pure, but, you know, just leaked a little bit left. It's just it's a lot of pressure kicking because it's just like leaked that it's one job. It's the only thing you have to do. But you can, and like I said, we can argue Leach's approach. And I didn't really have a problem with what he said post game after Arkansas, but the thing on Monday when he said, it's as simple as putting the ball through the upright. I didn't hear the whole, whole quote, but I just got what was in Twitter. But I just thought it's not that simple. It is not. And we, we like you said, we're going to have to rely on kicking at some point again. And you're just kind of, you know, you're you're making your players lose some confidence. But we know Mike Leach, and that's the way he is, and that's what we hired. So you deal with it, and we won. So at the end of the, end of the day, if you win, everybody's happy. Charlie, how did you do with your numbers? So, not great. My first number was 360. I said that we had to hold Auburn to under 360 yards because that had been kind of the mark this year. Typically, if they start reaching the 400 yards in offense, they've won the games pretty easily. But I won't stop you there. Never in our wildest dreams 
did we think we were going to be able to score 43 points against their defense because they had not given up a passing touchdown in a long, long time. This is a very good pass defense. So, to your credit, no way to know that we were going to get that. We No way to know that we're going to get 487 and score 43 points. Yeah, and if we're doing this show at Auburn right now, isn't that what we're just scratching our heads over is what on earth happened to our defense yesterday? Because they've been very good defensively. Not Georgia good, but right there behind them. Yeah, and I thought, to be honest with you, they would have gotten more pressure on us than they did. I thought they would have come after. Now, I'll say this, too. I look at what they did in the second half, and, and we talked about this on the postgame show yesterday. I thought they went to a lot more man late in that second quarter and then in the second half than what teams have typically done. And so it's almost like running man-to-man in basketball. You talk about being tired and running all over the field. You get more tired running man-to-man defense than you do zone defense. And I thought they went to a lot more man, and that was to their detriment, especially late. And I said it on the post game yesterday. I think you know Derek Mason at halftime went to the three ring binder that said Vanderbilt defense and pulled that <laughs> one off the shelf and said, "Hey, this is what we're going to run the second half," because that's what they look like. They look like a complete. We look like a completely different team in the second half. Auburn looked like a completely different team scheme wise in the second half. Well, it takes me to my second number. My second number was fifty eight. I said that we had to hold Bo Nix to fifty eight percent passing or less. In the first half, in game overall, we did not. But I'm going to focus on the second half. I used to joke about Tang Hamilton in basketball, that he'd go for two one night, go for 18 the next, and average 10, you know, or go for two and 24, you know, average 13. But the that's how Nix has been. He's been one of these guys who will go out and throw 80% or 40. Last night, in the second half, he goes 12 of 24. So – Although we didn't get it done in the game overall, in the second half, defensively, we did what we had to do on him. And I thought we goes back to the formula that we had talked about, which is make him beat you. In the first half, Auburn is running the football basically at will. They had 120 yards rushing in the first half on 19 carries, so better than six yards a carry. In the second half, eight for a negative 14. And it goes back to the formula we talked about, make him beat you, make him one-dimensional. And he just wasn't capable of doing that yesterday. And my final number was five. I said it had been five years since anybody had thrown for 400 yards on Auburn's defense and it needed to happen tomorrow, yesterday. And Will Rogers didn't look promising early. No. But in the second half, look at this stat line. This just still, I can't get over this. A Mississippi State quarterback, 24 of 26, 271 yards, five touchdowns. In the second half. That's Mississippi State. In the second half. We had the football 20 minutes and 17 seconds the second half. They had it nine minutes and 43 seconds. And so we those- had guys who in our history who played the month of November without five touchdown passes. Well, many a year. Many a year. And, hey, those are our numbers we brought up on Friday on our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. Of course, Tracks Plus, they have four locations, three in the state of Mississippi. The home store, the, the main store in Hickory, Mississippi, on the I-20 Hickory exit. Then they've got a location between Startwell and Columbus, one in Summit, Mississippi, and then down in Alexandria, Louisiana. So if you're in the market for some Barco forestry equipment or the Saney construction dirt moving equipment, 
give Daniel Bounds and Columbus a call. Daniel Bounds and Columbus, Fred Fulton over there as well, Ken Crosby down in Hickory, Grace Howell down in Summit, Mississippi, and Hoop Weems in Alexandria, Louisiana. Without doubt, customer service is phenomenal. That's our good friends at Trax Plus. And we're also talking to one of our good friends today, Stephen Augustinelli from sixpackspeak.com. And, uh, hey, Stephen, I, I said yesterday, as soon as the game was over with, we talked about Ole Miss having to delete some tweets last week after the game against Hugh Freeze. We were probably having to do some cleanup uh, action yesterday with uh, some of the folks who were posting on message boards or sending out tweets or put, posting on Facebook. Yesterday was that type of day where, you know, you go back and your thoughts and your feelings in the second half are completely different than what you said in the first half. That's right. I think I said uh, yesterday, one, was that at that time I said we were, we were just playing like garbage offensively and defensively. But then I followed it up with such a Nostradamus-type approach. I said, I feel like we're about to score 21 unanswered. Little did I know it would be 40. So pat on my, I'm patting myself on the back as I, as I felt, as I put the positivity out there. Who and knew? I mean, I really started that, I really started that turnaround, I feel. Who knew that when you said 21, you were being the half-full guy? <laughs> you, weren't even, you weren't even being optimistic. I promise you, I, I never go half-full. Never. I'm usually full. So going forward now and seeing where you know Arkansas winning last night over LSU and A&M losing to Ole Miss, and, that, and now all of a sudden, man, everybody talks about Jimbo Fisher, man. I just don't get it. I, I let's and, get and, to her a minute, please. And Kirk Herbstreit, man, and Kirk and Chris last night were just fawning over the coaching ability of Jimbo, and I just I don't understand it. Here's what I'm beginning to understand: the talent pool of really good coaches in the country has gotten smaller. Yes, it's gotten it's gotten exponentially smaller. If we're talking about Jimbo as one of the great play call, I mean. Let me tell you, he he out-athleted a lot of people down at Florida State, and, and you can go into the questions of how he, he, he got those guys. But that's another story for another day after we all retire. Good recruiting. Good recruiting. Fantastic. Opportunistic recruiting. So, that being said, I just don't understand it. I thought A&M – I think A&M is – as poorly coached in a lot of areas as anybody in the league. Well, I still can't get over this. For all the talk about Jimbo Fisher being this great quarterback guru, if Calzada is the best you got, he's been in their system three years. It's not like he's a true freshman over there. Well, that's what they said last night. Hey, you got to, hey A&M fans, you got a, you got a young quarterback that's going to get better. Dude, he's been in the, in the system for three years. He ain't getting better. He is what he is. Yeah, and so it's – when you start to look around the league and you start to compare reputation versus fact, you know, what did we hear when Sarkeesian was going to Texas? Boy, what a home run hire. What a great hire that's going to be. They lost to Kansas. And I don't care. That's like us losing to Vanderbilt. Look, I don't care if we bring the team that lost to Maine back out here. You don't lose to Kansas. At home. And, and then – I, I just got to do it. Do, do you really dance in the locker room after giving up 52 to Samford? Unbelievable. I, you know, Mullen likes to be uncomfortable. I mean, not that I would say like. That's just the way he is. And, like, I think he was trying to, to put on a happy face for his team, is my, is my thought. Let's celebrate. 
and my God, it, his his understanding of optics and how things are presented, I think they're completely lost on him. Well, he, <laughs> he uh, y'all, y'all, y'all know more than, than me about how he was here, but just from afar as a fan, and it's partly good. Maybe a coach doesn't care, but at the same time, it was Samford. Goodness gracious. Well, putting on some Yeezys and some, some Air Jordans is not, you know, and walking into a living room is not all there is to do about recruiting. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're beginning to see Florida take a step back, I think, when you start looking at talent-wise too. And I also think, and Charlie and I have talked about this too, about how in today's world, you know, coaching players is is different now than it was you know, 10, 15 years ago, no matter how, you know, no matter how much we want to say, man, I wish, you know, I, w- I want a hardline guy and a, a guy that's volatile. And I want a guy that's, you know, breaking clipboards and, and uh, dry race boards. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, sometimes it doesn't matriculate down to getting a player ready to play. Well, it's how many people do we say, you know, when I played this and that, when I played coaches did this, but they're not coaching today's players. Today's players. It's a different world. And as much as you may like a hard line coach in basketball, how far would Bob Knight get you today? Yeah. You know, not very far. And so it it's just different. Now, the only guy who seemingly can do whatever he wants to and still win is Saban. You know, Saban. Because I, they just amass so much talent. I mean, they just amass so much. And, hey, even he has said that he's had to, he's had to be different. So what I was going by that a minute ago was with all that stuff happening yesterday, now all of a sudden, you know, Ole Miss is going to beat Vanderbilt next week, without doubt. And, of course, we do not have a non-conference game. If Alabama beats Arkansas, which I don't foresee anything to make me think anything different is going to happen, I mean, the Egg Bowl is going to be for second place in the SEC West, which is absolutely amazing. And so there – even though you know we've got some big wins this year, there's a lot out there left. There's a lot out. There's a lot of meat on the bone. I mean, we have a chance to have. If we go eight and four, if we could win the Egg Bowl in two weeks, man, you're talking about an exceptional bowl game, and what a finish to the season. So there's a lot that's still out there. Can we agree that this week we just go ahead and start putting in the game plan for Ole Miss? That we just drop all the the pretense of we're focused on the game in front of us. Yeah, well, I think they can do the same thing too, Stephen. I mean, do you? I mean, as as much you know, hatred has been in this rivalry, and to be honest, we even for us that are close to it, it's kind of refreshing to see the the Mike Leach Lane Kiffin approach of you know, okay, we're just we're just playing a game. Um, I never would have thought before the season started that that game, and it means a lot every year. I mean, it's your season a lot. But at the end of the day, when you start looking at the college football landscape, what's in front of you is has really big implications. Think about this. This could be possibly a Sugar Bowl burst game, right? If Alabama beats Georgia, let's assume both of them make – they would make the college football playoff at that point. So then it's the highest-rated SEC team, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that would. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it does put it in play. It does put it, it in play. I mean, if we beat Ole Miss, 
we would be one game behind them as far as overall record. You could take away the Memphis game, you know, if they throw it out. Would we be ranked ahead of Ole Miss at that point? Well, you would think at head-to-head that you would be. Yeah. So, so I, it's all, we're playing possibly outside of the Egg Bowl and just everything that comes with that. You're playing possibly for the Sugar Bowl, for an 8-4 and four team, which, you know. <laughs> but it could play out. Cause I, who's going to be ranked ahead of us in the SEC? Yeah, that's if we if we eight and four. Yeah, that's the point. I mean, that's it's it's not going to be you know A and M is is probably going to win out, but then all of a sudden it gets down to the point of hey, you've got a committee in there looking at head to head. And does Auburn somehow find a way to beat Alabama? That could change things. That could change. Oh but, yeah, that but Alabama, Alabama at that point wouldn't make the college football playoff. That's right. It, it's all it's all dependent upon Alabama and Georgia remaining in the playoff. You know, and you sit here and say, hey, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but to be honest with you, and this is not a discredit to Tennessee State, and I hate to say it like this, but it is, I mean, that's what's in front of us. I mean, it's right here. I mean, it's not like this is a month down the road. We're talking about something that's going to happen in, you know, not much more time. And so we're going to play Ole Miss pretty quick. Yeah, a week and a half. week and a half. It ain't long now. And so a lot left out there. And uh, I'll tell you what, once again, thanks to our great friends at Bank First, Bank First, Locations throughout Mississippi and western Alabama. They are a growing bank. When you're looking at the home mortgage, mortgage refinance, when you're looking at commercial lending, those guys do it right. Great customer service. We talk about all of our, our great sponsors. The thing, the common theme between them all is great customer service. And so bank first, if you're not doing your banking with bank first, do it one time, and I guarantee you'll stay with them for a long time. And so thanks to our great friends at Bank First. Hey, uh, Stephen Augustinelli from Six Pack Speak, we appreciate you joining us today. We need to do this more often after wins. Now, I don't. I really don't want to talk to you after we lose because you and I could get together and say some things we, we can't take back. I'm, I'm much more much more enjoyable to be around after a win. And how about, I just want to quickly quickly say, how about those basketball dogs? I know this is a football show. They started off season 2-0 and and the chair is 2-0. So congratulations to the chair. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, that team is talented. And we haven't even seen Tolu or Rocket yet. Here's the thing about that team. And, you know, last night we jumped out on Montana, who is traditionally a very physical basketball team. They're picked to finish in the top third in the big sky this year. And we jumped on them early. You know, Garrison Brooks last night. And Garrison, let me tell you something. He's that guy when he gets off the bus and he starts warming up, he just looks different. I mean, that guy looks different. D.J. Jeffries looks different. And then you throw those guys in with Iverson Molinar and Shaquille Moore, the transfer from NC State, had a great game last night. Man, you've got some players on the floor. I'm talking about some big-time players. This this could be a very fun basketball season. And I'm telling you, I'm still fired up about Cameron Matthews defending. Oh, my goodness. You know, it's not often that I get excited to go to a basketball game and watch somebody play defense. Steven, does he look like, and I told Charlie this on the air the other night, to me he reminds me of a right-handed Brandon Vincent. He does. With, if he can continue his own slot from the uh, three-point range with a little bit more offensive uh, a little bit more offense as a weapon. So he does. Defensively, he's, pretty, he's playing like Brandon Vincent. He can be that guy that just, what, what was it was a one-two-two press with Brandon at the top. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it ran the snake, man. No, it was a 1-3-1, one, one, wasn't it? 
Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. And he's just so athletic. I mean, watching him dunk, <laughs> it's like he, he wants to tear down the goal. And uh, he's, he's a glue guy. He's the glue guy. If you could get that one role, one or two role players for your team that realize hey, this is where I can contribute, that's what makes the team special. Well, and uh, I was listening. Can be- I was listening to Ben Hallen last night. You talk about running the press. You said, you know, all of a sudden you add Tolu and Rocket into this because we're playing ten guys and getting contributions from them. All of a sudden you've got a lot more options to do some things defensively because if one of them fouls out, what do you care? Hey, Cam Carter, man. There's a freshman from Donaldsville, Louisiana. That dude has been lights out. Anderson Garcia gave you good minutes last night. Yeah, we got plenty of guys. Got a big matchup on Wednesday night. You and I, you and I have that one again on Charlie. It was uh, is Detroit is who we play on on Saturday or on Wednesday night, and so a big matchup there. Hey, Stephen, appreciate you hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee. Stephen Augustinelli from SixPackSpeak.com. We'll let you come back if we. Uh, if if we play if we beat Ole Miss, we'll let you come back, and we'll okay. let you, we'll let you share all kind of thoughts after that game, and of course when we, oh, when we right. beat Ole Miss, yeah, when we beat Ole Miss, I'll be in the Bahamas, so we're going to be in three different areas. I'll be on a paddleboard, and uh, I'll be doing the show from down there in a kayak. Somehow, and, I think not with the swimming pigs. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> once again, thanks to our great sponsors, of course, uh, Sunday Coffee presented by Strange Brew Coffee House. Of course, we're at the Farm Bureau Studios here in downtown Starville. Tracks Plus, who brought us our deep dig on Friday. We went through our Tracks Plus numbers. Bank First, a better way to bank, a great growing bank in Mississippi and Alabama. And Beef, it's what's for dinner, brought to you by the Mississippi Beef Council, the Mississippi Beef Farmers, and their checkoff. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. For Stephen Augustinelli and Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Thanks for hanging out with us on Sunday Coffee.